Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. And now for today's show. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Shep Hyken, and we're going to explore social customer care and why marketers should care about this topic. By the way, if you want to email me, simply email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle, here is this week's survival tip. Today, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found a really cool app for iOS and Android that lets you create augmented reality movies. Augmented reality movies. Okay, I'm just going to ask, what the heck is an augmented reality movie? (laughs) So, augmented reality is when you place objects in the movie that don't actually exist there. So it when you means, say in the movie, you really mean in the real world, right? In the real world, yes. In rea- It's not really there in reality. We're augmenting reality by adding things in that aren't really there and recording them through the phone's camera as if they are there. And you can even interact with them. You can touch them, move them. Uh, it's really cool. I've been, pl- <laughs> I've been playing with this probably a little bit too long, but uh, – I was able to use this. So what you do, how you how it works basically is you download the app. It's called Leo AR Camera. And you download it, you install it, and you open it up. And much like when you're in a messages app or in the keyboard on your phone searching through emojis, the search is very much like that. They give you a bunch of different options there. Um, some of them are environmental. Some of them are uh, animals or signs or smiley faces, all these different categories and you tap on one and then you scroll through and you find something that you like and then you uh, tap that and then you go to where you want to have it show up and you tap it again and it creates that out of nothing <laughs> like almost almost like Star Trek and then it maintains its location its size its um, it's the way it's facing and everything so you can go around and create, you know, set set up your stage, so to speak, and then your camera remembers where those objects are so you can then walk through and hit record and create a video with all these augmented reality objects. Okay, just so I understand, let's say we're in our backyard and we pull out and, you know, maybe it's snowing wherever you are in the world, right? And we pull out like a augmented reality swimming pool. <laughs> yes. You know, and we can just say, okay, over there, I'm going to drop the swimming pool. Over here, I'm going to drop the palm trees and a couple of chairs. 
Is that kind of what you're talking about? That That's exactly it. And wherever you dropped those, they would, in relation to each other, as well as in relation to your phone, stay in that exact location. So if you were to back away, they would get smaller and smaller and stay close together. And you'd walk up to them again. They'd get bigger and bigger. So it, it allows you to create a scene anywhere out of nothing. Are these objects animated objects or actual objects? Like videos, you know what I mean? They they are actu- uh, they are animated, I should say. Okay. Yeah. So the idea is you drop these objects using the app, and then do you use the same app to record a video of you walking around? Is that the idea? Yes. Yeah. As soon as you're as soon as you've placed all that you want to place, you can, and you do have the ability to take still shots. There is a little camera button there to the left, but the center, like we're used to with Instagram and Snapchat and all the other video apps, there's the the button you press to start recording. Hmm. And then from that point forward, everything you capture, sound, audio, and all these augmented reality objects will then uh, be recorded as well. If you go behind the object, does it appear in front of you? Have you tried that? What what it still it maintains the way that it that you placed it. So if you and you you can turn it around. Like you can you can put your fingers down and you can turn it like you would like pinching and zooming kind of. Uh-huh. So yeah. But what I meant is if you put a palm tree like at this spot and you stood behind the palm tree but your camera was in front of it, would it show you behind the tree? Does that make sense? Yeah, like if you kept the camera still and then you walked behind the tree. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it would block you. Huh. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so it's, I mean, there's so much possibility here. I tried not to play with it too long till I understood it. And then I was like, okay, this is, this. I would is imagine you could even put objects amazing. on your desk if you want to and kind you of. You could. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. You so, kind of need to put it in so you can see what you're looking at when you're interacting with the thing. That's very fascinating. So, so what's this thing called again? So this is called Leo AR app and you can find it. It's for free. It's for uh, the iOS and Google uh, uh, Android, and it's free, and you find it, find both the, the download links for respective uh, app stores at one link, which is leoapp.com. That's L-E-O-A-P-P.com. Awesome, Eric. I know a lot of people are going to be like fiddling around with this now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry. How much time have you spent messing around with it? Okay, so I'll be honest, probably 10, 15 minutes. Okay, but- cool. It's that easy, though. So- Okay. Yes. Yeah, I got it. They got the hang of it real quickly, and I was like, I'm gonna have to make sure to put this on my kids' uh, iPads and yeah. stuff. So. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. 
And now for today's interview with Shep Hyken. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today I'm excited to be joined by Shep Hyken. If you don't know who Shep is, he is a customer service and experience expert. He's also a professional speaker and author of multiple books, including The Amazement Revolution, Amaze Every Customer Every Time, and The Convenience Revolution. His course is called The Customer Focus, and his podcast is The Amazing Business Radio Podcast. Shep, welcome to the show. It is great to be here. Very excited. And I love going to your conference every year, and that's how we first met. Yes, thank you. Well, today, Shep and I are going to dive into uh, the concept of taking care of customers and why marketers should care about this. Um, And what I would love to do, Shep, before we get on that road is to hear a little bit of your backstory. How in the world did you get to be a guy that's known in the customer service world as kind of one of the leading pros? Wow. Well, we can go all the way back to when I was a little kid, about 12 years old. I was in the birthday party magic show business. I started my own little business, and I remember my mom picking me up from school on a Wednesday afternoon, dropping me off at this house. I performed in front of about 20 little six-year-old screaming kids, Wow! and yeah, I went home that night, and uh, my mom and dad, brother and sister, sitting around the dinner table were talking about the show. My mom says, what are you going to do after dinner? Now, when a mom or dad asks you that question on a typical school night, What's the answer? Homework. (laughs) Homework. Not that night. I said homework. She said, no, you're going to go write a thank you note. And that was my first lesson in customer service. Now, immediately, my dad said, you know, great idea, but what I'd love you to do is write the thank you note. A week from now, call the parents up and say thank you again. And then ask them, how did you like the show? Like, oh, that's a great idea. And what I didn't know is that my dad was teaching me how to get feedback. And then he said, ask them what tricks they liked. And whatever tricks they don't talk about, think about replacing those with tricks that people will talk about. Then now he's teaching me process improvement. And I have no idea. At age 12, this right. is what's going on. So uh, that's how I started my business. And I quickly realized I'm much of a people pleaser. And I really uh, you know, take things to heart. I'm age 16. I have a little snowplow business I started. bought a Jeep with a snowplow. And I remember at 4 in the morning on a heavy snow night, I got up to go plow my customer's driveways and the Jeep wouldn't start. Mm. And I went, oh no, what am I going to do? So I called a friend of mine who, you know, I paid $900 for my Jeep with a snowplow. It was a true hunk of junk. It was like 12 years old. The snowplow was actually worth more than the car. Uh, So I called my friend who's got a brand new, huge, like Ford Bronco with a big plow and and his parents had got this for him, and, and he's now plowing driveways of shopping centers. And I said, can you take about an hour out of your morning and help me out? I will give you all of the money. And I call that the snowplow moment because that's when I realized I'm more interested in taking care of the customers than anything, even the money. Huh. That's important. So cut to uh, getting out of college, didn't really have a job, and I, I saw a couple of motivational speakers, and I said, I can do that. And I found the topic of customer service. Uh, was fascinating to me because that's what I always believed in. Uh, there were a few books written. Now, back in that time, and uh, give you an idea of how old I am, I'm not really not that old. I look much younger, and I act a lot younger than that. But it was about 1983, and if you went to the bookstore in 1983 and you said, where's the business section, they would point you to one shelf that wasn't even filled 
with business books and said, there you go, choose from one of those 20. And there were a couple on customer service and that's what caught my eye and, and that's how it all started. Huh, fascinating. Now, what are you doing today? Today, I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing kids' birthday parties. No, <laughs> today, I am focused on helping my clients achieve amazing customer experiences. If you've ever walked away from a business and said, wow, those people are amazing, that's what we help them do. Uh, I don't believe it's rocket science. I believe it's common sense, and we just have to teach people how to make it common sense. We take the difficult and complicated. We try to simplify it. We help companies with their culture, and uh, we, you know, I travel around the world delivering speeches. We have trainers that go out and deliver my material. So it's turned into quite a business over the years. Awesome. And I think this will be your third time coming back to social media marketing world. Does that sound right? Or is it your fourth? I think you were, you were first it's, there as a customer. It's my fourth time attending as, you know, I've been there four times, three times as a speaker. Wow. Yep. So awesome. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for being a customer first. <laughs> see what I see what I'm doing there? I'm, I'm learning yeah, from you. Yeah. you suck is there anything me, I can do to know, improve? It worked. It was in, by the way, I wouldn't have been a customer second even because I, at that first conference, immediately signed up for the next year. That's how good the conference was. And then I was invited to speak, which made it even better. That's awesome. All right. And we gave his money back for anybody who want to know the rest of the story. I'm certain we must have. So, um, all right. For the marketers that are listening right now, Shep, um, why is taking care of the customer something they ought to worry about? Because typically... The job of marketing is to acquire the customer, and then they kind of let someone else handle it. Talk to me. Right. Well, I, I can actually flip a question back to you and ask what's more important, uh, acquiring the customer or keeping the customer. And every study shows it's far more expensive to acquire. As a matter of fact, a recent study by Boston Consulting Group, just I, I saw it like a week or so ago, said, uh, and I don't know how they come up with these numbers, but they said if the average customer costs about $7 uh, to keep a new customer costs about $34 to bring in. And I'm not sure what industry it is, but yeah. it doesn't matter. The numbers uh, are all about a concept. And that is it's far more expensive to get the new one than to keep the one you have. But once you have that one, what do you do with that one to get them to talk about you? One of my favorite songs is Bonnie Raitt's song, Let's Give Them Something to Talk About. Mm. And when a company takes that kind of a message to heart, what happens is they create disciples, advocates, evangelists that go out and you know sing praises about the companies they do business with. And by the way, it doesn't matter if it's B2B or B2C, people talk about the people they do business with, good and bad. And the best marketing you could possibly have is your existing customers going out and telling others about their great experiences. Chef, this is a very timely conversation because I kid you not, just a couple of hours ago, I had a call with Phil Mershon and a couple, four or five of my other employees. Yep. And I said, hey, and for, for folks that don't know who Phil is, he's my director of events. I said, hey, we need to have a call. You need to cancel your appointments and come to this meeting. And during this meeting, I, I laid out the case that if we can get our customers excited about connecting with other customers before they come to our event, um, that will give them what they want because we already know that's part of why they come to the event is for the connections. If we can start that process early, that will actually allow them to start talking to, to other people in little tribes, if you will. And that process mm -hmm. of getting our customers satisfied before the actual product is received will become perhaps the most important marketing we can actually do. Right. Your existing customers going out 
And by the way, I know you have all kinds of promotions right. to, uh, you know, give them incentives to want to share and, right. and get people to come. But this is different. This is getting people actively engaged in a conference before the conference even starts. So uh, that's that's very cool. You know, obviously we get on site for, for for I guess two and a half days or so, right? And people are tweeting, and a massive amounts of social media are coming out of social media marketing world. And what if we can bring that uh, to start two three months in advance? But this is the key point that I made to them, and I want to make to everyone listening, is that now taking care of our customers in a very unique way has become a mission critical component of the events team that doesn't normally think of themselves as contributing to the bottom line of the company. Instead, they're the ones that take care of the customer once the customer shows up. And I said, the actual act of doing what we propose to do will get these people talking to each other and to their other friends about our company. And as a result, our sales through word of mouth will go up. So this is the example that I'm trying to make here is that if you can get your customers completely satisfied, they will be return customers. They will tell everybody they know about it. And that is why marketers should care. Am I close to correct here? I think you're spot on. And you also said something in there that's kind of a byproduct. And you said, we want to do something different. Different is great because being the same as every other conference is competing head to head. And you could say, oh, we want to be better than them. Better in what way? Be different on top of it, and it's a, you know it's a one-two punch, and I think that's a powerful place to be in the marketing marketing world. So perfect. So let's talk about social customer care. This mm. is a phrase that I've heard before. Um, what is it? What does it mean? Talk to us. Sure. Well, social customer care is doing customer service, not just. And by the way, customer service and customer experience is what I'm focused on, but but social customer care goes to the actual service that customers have with companies through social media channels, such as you no longer have to pick up the phone and call a company. You can tweet to the company. You can get on Facebook. You can instant message them. You can connect through LinkedIn. There's, there's multiple channels that you can connect with a customer, and it has nothing to do with picking up the phone and calling customer support. Although, guess who responds often are the same people that would have picked up the phone. You're just doing it on a different channel. And What's happened, we, we did a study and we took a look at all the social proof that people are more and more inclined to pick up their mobile device and not use it for the phone, but for the app that's on there to connect with their customers. So it's, it's pretty exciting and it only gets stronger and stronger every year. Now, I know that uh, in preparation for this call, you told me that there was reactive versus proactive social yes. customer care. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. Sure. Reactive is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, somebody, and by the way, a social channel might be a review site like a TripAdvisor or a Yelp. Hmm. And a company says, oh my gosh, uh, somebody posted something on there. We need to respond. And usually they're only responding, by the way, to the negative reviews or somebody tweets out something that's negative and that catches the eye of somebody at the company. That's reactive. Uh, and by the way, nothing wrong with being reactive because I believe that the moment somebody makes that tweet, if it's negative, you need to respond in a matter of minutes, not hours, not even days. And it really, it, it's crazy the number of days, actually, the average responses on some of these channels. It's not minutes, it's days. Well, I got to so, I gotta give you a little quick little mm-hmm. antidote. Um, yeah. There was some major platform, and I can't remember what it was, some major service that I was using, big brand. 
I've conveniently forgotten their name because I don't want to give them any PR. And I tweeted them and I said, hey, um, your site is down. And eight hours went by, nothing. 26 hours went by and they said, oh, tell us more. Well, then, <laughs> I, th- th- then I started looking at all of their tweets and I noticed that almost all of their tweets, they were responding to every few minutes, but they were all 24 to 26 hours after the tweet was done. I mean, that's just the wrong way to do it. Don't you agree? A hundred percent wrong. It's, um, if you think about it, if I want, if I have a question, if I want my question answered in seven hours or 26 hours, I'd wait 26 hours to ask the question. Now what's reasonable. And I'll ask you, what would you have been happy with? Uh, An hour, you know, two hours max maybe. Yeah. And and there's plenty of companies that say, you know what, that's, that's their criteria. Um, I work with FedEx and even though it's not a written criteria, their goal is to respond to customers within 20 minutes. Right. Uh, so here's a great anecdote for you. I'm flying on American Airlines. I usually don't say the name of the airline. Uh, I tell you the initials, AA, <laughs> Anonymous Airlines. But <laughs> That's easy no, it's guess. American Airlines. Yeah. And I'm, I'm changing planes in Dallas and I'm circling the airport because there's bad weather on the ground. And the captain comes on, tells us we're going to be delayed circling. And he says, don't worry, all flights are being delayed. Well, of course, I have my computer open and I've connected to the Wi-Fi on board. And I could see that, yes, almost every flight is delayed except for the one I'm connecting to. Mm. So I go on Twitter and I direct message American Airlines. I give them my frequent flyer number. I tell them I'm flying around Dallas uh, up above, uh, delayed. I'm going to miss my connection. Please help. In under 10 minutes... I get a response back. You are protected on the next flight. Thanks for being a customer. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And by the way, not just once did that happen. So I'm not saying it's going to happen every time, but so far it has knock on wood. But that's what what has to happen. Now, now they uh, they did react to me, but in a different way. I didn't publicly place it. And by the way, uh, oh, by the way, and look, now tens of thousands of people are hearing your story because of what they did. That's also part of the marketing benefit. And by the way, don't think for a minute because of who I am and what I do, I didn't go back online to the open forum, you know, not a direct message. And I tweeted out, thank you to American Airlines because I mean, that's just what I want to do anyway uh, for anybody that takes care of me. But think about this. Uh, The reaction time is really important. And our good friend, Jay Bear, who's also one of the great speakers that's been coming to your meeting and conference year after year. He wrote a great book about a year or two ago called Hug Your Haters. I love that book. And in that book, he says, social media customer service can be a spectator sport. (laughs) I love that line. I wish I had come up with that one myself. Anyway, what he's saying is that when somebody posts a negative comment, the rest of the world, people that are tied in, look at that and say, well, how long is it going to take for that customer or for that company to respond? And what are they going to say? By the way, here's the way to do it. Number one, customer responds quickly. Number two, uh, you say, hey, thanks for letting us know. I can't believe this has happened. So you're apologizing. You're acknowledging it. Here's what we need to do. Let's jump to a direct message format so I can interact with you. And let's get this resolved. And that happens. Ideally, if you have to move them to a different channel, just move them to the telephone. That's what, what it takes. And then go back online and thank the customer openly, you know, as that, as that string goes to just say, Hey, I'm glad we finally connected and I was able to resolve your issue. Thanks for letting us take care of you. And thanks for doing business. And in the perfect world, although it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen all that often, but in the perfect world, that customer is going to come back on and thank the company 
for taking good care of them. And when the world sees that, the spectators, so to speak, see that, they go, wow, this company stands up. That's as good as any great testimonial, watching how a company can handle a negative review. But by the way, react also to positive reviews. Not necessarily need to do it in 10 or 15 minutes, but if somebody compliments you, take a moment to just say thank you very much. It's what they, they may not want it, but it's nice and it's what they, they hope for that people appreciate when they say nice things. So that's being reactive. Perfect. So, and by the way, uh, we had Jay Bear on the show uh, when his Hug Your Haters um, came out. We'll, we'll cross link to that in the show notes. Um, proactive. Let's talk about that because what does that mean? How do you proactively do social customer care? Well, proactive means, you know, you are, are there, you go after it. So give you an idea. Um, Part of customer experience and service isn't just reacting and dealing with complaints and problems. I believe to enhance the experience, put great content out there. Now we're really moving into more marketing, which is what social customer care, a big part of it is. And that is you put out good content. Uh, It could be in the form of blogs or tweets, quotes, memes, however you like to do it. Uh, If you're a restaurant, maybe you post a favorite recipe. Um, if you're a speaker and a customer service expert like me, you're constantly posting content out there on customer service. If you're somebody like you, Michael, you're, you're putting information out there about marketing, all of that. That's what this podcast is about. This is actually part of the customer experience that you're providing for the people that go to your conference and all your followers. So um, another great way uh, is to scale really important messages to companies through all the social channels. Give you an example. Uh, Comcast the cable TV company, an internet company, they have a reputation. Actually, the entire industry has the reputation for not being the best when it comes to customer service and experience. And there were some incidents that happened uh, a few years ago. They're doing everything they can to turn that around. They actually now, today their mantra is customer experiences are number one product or something like that. And they're really working to make that happen. So if the cable goes down in a particular area, they will blast out messages in multiple form, uh, forms, and they'll send a tweet. Uh, if they and they try to get all of the information about the customer, so they'll tweet them, they'll text them, they'll call them on a landline, they'll send them an email. Uh, they blast it in as many different ways possible, so they scale important messages so that their customers will. It's like, it's like a public it. service announcement, almost, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Because who knows? You know, if your internet's out, you can't check your email. Right. But your your mobile phone still has texting ability, so you'll get it that way. And you know? interesting, interesting. So, um, what what are some ways that we can? Um, what are some practical things that we might be able to do to um, be proactive with our social care? I know that you and I talked about YouTube and a couple others. Um, yeah, talk to me about uh, that. Well, I, actually, that's probably my favorite one is YouTube, and and it's great because you can put how-to videos. What are your most frequently asked questions? Answer them in video format, which is phenomenal SEO and marketing. And not only does it show that you've got the answers online, it also shows how, how it's a great use of the product. So it actually becomes not just a how-to type video for customer service, but also a marketing piece. Uh, I love one of the reasons I chose to use Salesforce years ago is a CRM is somebody said, you know, we've got great service. You can call in. But then the salesperson was great. He says, ask, type in this question into Google. And I asked the question and up came a YouTube video, which explained exactly how to do what I wanted to do. And not only that, uh, there were other 
companies, non-Salesforce companies, just customers of Salesforce that put their information on there too, so that because they love the company and they love sharing their information, so it's it's a great marketing you know piece. The and YouTube so powerful. Shep, um, I got a question on this. Do you mm-hmm. do you feel like? Um, we should maybe look through our um, database of uh, you know customer inquiries and maybe accumulate the top ten or twenty questions our customers seem to ask over and over again, and then make videos that answer those questions. That's a that should be a, an actual channel on your YouTube site, and I've done the same thing. I I get questions all the time through Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, and and that's a lot of the content that I produce. Every single week I blog, every single week I post a video on YouTube, and it's a how-to video oftentimes about a question that I'm being asked. Now, what I think you're talking about, Michael, is not just a customer service type question, but the questions that you know are being asked about marketing. Well, actually, media. no, actually, I'm talking about customer service because oh, okay, great. let's just That's assume, better. I mean, let's just assume that the people that are listening right now obviously have at least one or two customer full-time people like we do that are, mm-hmm. you know, handling customer inquiries. Um, you, you've got to think that there's at least a normal pattern of questions that people have. And if you know what that is, um, at the very least, you could have a commonly asked questions page, right, on your website that um, is super near the purchase point of the sale if it's a pre-sale yep. question and maybe on some other place if it's post-sale. But I think just writing these things in blogs, doing these things in videos, I mean, like, because if you don't, what's going to end up happening is someone else might do it for you and they might not do it the way you want to do it, right? Because, my gosh, I can... I can't tell you how many times, especially with technical equipment, like I'm Googling or YouTubing how to fix this or how to change this and how I wish the manufacturers actually had these videos and they never do. Yeah. I I bought my daughter a ping pong table and it happened to be a German model ping pong. I don't know why. I was just the one at the store. And what does that mean? Very precise instructions, lots of parts, nuts, bolts, tubes, you know, for the legs. And it was all in German. And I actually typed in the model number and the manufacturer into uh, Google and a YouTube video came up. And it was a person who was showing how to take it out of the box properly, how to set all the pieces up. And it was great. There was German music behind him doing all this. And it showed me in a matter of, oh, just a few minutes where I can stop and start what would have taken me hours was cut down to about an hour, hour and a half of work. And and that's what we're doing. So by the way, that ties into a self-service uh, option that you want to provide your customers, which is another great marketing piece, creating a self-service option. YouTube is one of those self-service options. Frequently asked questions that you can answer on your website, either written or through video, another self-service option. So customers love to take control into their hands. It's much better than calling up, and I don't know how many people you have in your office, but if they're all busy and and it's going to be 45 minutes or 30 minutes or even 15 minutes before uh, somebody can get back to the customer, wouldn't it be nicer if the customer goes online and almost instantly sees what they're looking for? And that's a great uh, resource, and it's a great service experience. And for all the really small business people that are listening right now that probably don't even have an easy way for someone to call you know, but they get emails that are like super complicated, you know, this is, this is the solution because this truly is proactive because they'll solve the problem on their own because they'll find it. And that way it costs you less in the long run, right? Because you are going to, your time is worth X 
Um, and if you happen to have to have like the product marketing manager, the engineer or something respond to them, that's very costly. Um, how much better to just spend a little bit of time and a little bit of money to create some resources. Um, and you know what? It doesn't even cost that much. Just I'm getting in the weeds here, a bit, yeah. but use your, use your mobile device. If you've got an iPhone or an Android or whatever, yeah. Samsung, there's a great video camera on that. Have somebody hold it. And by the way, people will forgive mediocre video. Just make sure the audio quality is really good. Beyond YouTube, what else proactively can we do? Well, um, you can create uh, LinkedIn and Facebook groups, and that's a great interactive experience. And it's it's totally social, and it's also marketing. Um, you know, we talked about dealing with negative uh, social media posts, and I would advise somebody to set it up so there's a Google alert or some type of alert. There's software that will scour the internet, and the moment your name, your company's name, is mentioned, you will you will get an alert, good or bad. Um, how about create an app? Apps are so inexpensive to create these days. I actually have an app. If you go to the app store on your Android or iPhone, uh, device, you just type in my name, Shep Hyken, and, and this free app is there. And uh, it's really cool. I use a company called good barber and I just use them because number one, they looked like they were the easiest to do. And, and we developed this ourselves in our office. My first app I had, I paid thousands of dollars to develop so that people could just simply get my blogs and my videos that I send out on a weekly basis delivered to their phone and a few other you know, interesting items. But using an app is a great way of, of creating social engagement and creating a good service experience. Um, one of the things I emphasize is through all of this, if there's a way to have fun, um, do it. Hey, and, hey, real quick, Chef, before we sure. go too far down the road, I want to come back to this app, but I also want to come back to groups. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously my audience is in the social media marketing world. So this is where folks, I want to speak to you for a second and Shep, you can chime in here, of course, but um, having a group for your customers is super, super smart because once the customers, um, especially like on Facebook, it seems like in our industry, Facebook is the 800 pound gorilla that everybody is on. And if people can get their questions answered, even if it's by volunteers or moderators or other customers that are, you know, special moderators and stuff like that, that is, that is considered exceptionally powerful because sometimes it starts with just, I have a question about how to use this thing, but then it gets into deeper questions, which is like, huh, um, I wonder if it could do this. And all of a sudden it becomes like a, a place where you can discover new possible features for your product or new possible ways that things can be done because you've, cultivated a community um, that maybe at, in the beginning was just meant to be for care, but eventually becomes much more than that. Yeah. Your advocates are on there and they just love to interact with other customers. They love to support them. They love to get ideas from them. And so it becomes a really nice social forum. Yeah. And I will, I will let everybody know a little bit about what we're planning to do. Hopefully it will become a reality by the time this podcast airs, but we're planning on having more than 100 Facebook groups for customers of social media marketing world in little sub niches. So for example, we'll have one for um, professors who teach at universities and want to connect with other professors about how to teach social media. We'll have another one for um, uh, religious organizations, you know, that want to come together and figure out how to use it as a way to communicate with their tribes. 
We'll have another one for um, consultants, you know? And the idea is to just create these groups and allow these people to interact and connect around our product, but for things that go beyond the product. And I'm confident that this is going to bear really, really amazing fruit for us. So this is kind of where we're going. And this is the point. When people think, I'm going to social media marketing world, it's a two and a half day event. No, it's not. It's months long. And the interaction happens, you know, as you're working on it well before as well as long after. And people need to realize that. And I'll give you an example, something that I firmly believe. When a client hires me to speak on a stage for a 45-minute speech, I tell them, they get far more than 45 minutes. We get all the work leading up to it, the consultation, the support, and then what happens afterwards. It's the after experience. And you're doing the same exact thing with your conference. Thank you. Um, I want to talk about the good barber thing. Um, Tell us more about this app. What does it do exactly? Because I've never heard anything like this before. Well, if you go to goodbarber.com, I'd like to tell you I'm the one that actually put it together, but it was Stephanie in my office who, she's not super techie, but she's, you know, Hey, she's younger than me. She's probably smarter than me when it comes to these things. <laughs> but but no, I looked through it and and we looked at a number of different ones and it's really inexpensive. So what does it's, it do exactly? I mean, what is what does your app do as a result of using this good barber service? Sure. So if you go onto my app and I'm going to just pull out my phone and go to yeah, my go app for it. and and uh, so I <laughs> cuz I don't hardly ever go to it anymore. Isn't that amazing? I probably should spend more time doing that. But I go on the app and it's just it, what's my latest article that I just wrote that was published to my blog. It automatically goes. So when you open that app up, it's going to repopulate with my latest content. Got it. I've got my videos that are on there. If I've got a new product that I want to put out there, I can create a page for that. As a speaker, I have a schedule I want to share that schedule with everybody. If you, I'm going to be in your city, um, if uh, an, another very cool thing is it has push notifications. If yeah, that's that's beautiful right there. Yep. If your customer is willing to let you do it, you can push content and it'll alert them when there is new content available on your on your uh, on your app. Cool. I didn't even know such a service exists. So it sounds like almost like WordPress. It's pretty much uh, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to build something. Is what no. I'm you say. And I'm thinking it's like. 30 bucks a month or wow, something like that. It's like, it's like, that's a very inexpensive expense when it comes to marketing. By the way, that's the one thing I notice on most social marketing strategies. You can spend a lot of money at your big company. Obviously you're going to spend more, but even the small, even solo entrepreneurs can participate today in things that cost tens of thousands of dollars just a few years ago. And it's only going to cost them a few hundred dollars now. Okay, so we've been talking about proactive social customer care. We talked about YouTube. We talked about groups uh, like Facebook groups. We talked about apps, dedicated apps. You were about to talk about having fun. So go ahead and expand on that, please. Well, I mean, if you're going to do a video, is there any way to make it, make it fun? Is there any way to give levity to it? Uh, I, or, or even if you're going to tweet. So I love this, and I'm going to read this because I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, I talked about this in the speech that I did with Social Media Marketing World last year. Um Here's what I wrote. Humor done well can endear your brand to customers and it can go viral. So one of my favorite examples was this tweet from uh, Add to the Bone who tweeted, saw a bird had crapped on a smart car, totaled it. <laughs> okay. And, and now, we all know the smart car is that tiny little car that drives. Yeah. It looks like a golf cart yeah. with some, you know, a little like, bit of metal. It's by Mercedes it. or something, and, I think. Right, right. And at Smart Car USA responded. Couldn't have been one bird. Sounds more like 4.5 million. Seriously, we did the math. 
And the tweet included a graphic picture of that showed the weight of bird crap required to damage. A, this is what it said to damage Smart's Trident safety cell. And then it said, by the way, it takes 4.5 million pigeon craps, 360,000 turkey craps, and 45,000 emu craps to total a smart car. <laughs> that's that's seriously funny. It is seriously funny. And uh, that's, I think sometimes we've got to have fun and look at, you know, just straight up marketing, look at what the dollar shave club to put them did to put themselves on the map. Uh, I mean, they, I don't know what they did. Tell me more. Okay. So the dollar shave club, it's a club that we can all belong to basically for a dollar a week, you get a new blade, you pay $4 a month and that includes four blades, includes the shipping and you can upgrade to the executive level, which is like eight or nine bucks a month for, you know, fancier blades. And uh, this guy went on YouTube and he put a video of what we are at Dollar Shave Club and it went viral and he became so successful. Uh, he recently sold out to a major manufacturer, I believe for a billion dollars. Yeah, I think, Gillette, I think Gillette bought them. So what was the substance of the video? Yeah. Well, I, I can't, is this a G-rated presentation? Yeah, today? I mean, just give us, just give us, just give us kind of, yes, it is. But give us a high level of like kind of what was, what was the gist of what he was trying to say in the video? It was just funny. He was going, you know, why waste your money on some freaking expensive blades? Not using the word freaking. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, he was just, it was just really, it was a little bit raw. It was real. And it was funny the way he did it. And it caught on. And, and, and that's what happens. And by the way, negative reviews can catch on the same way a positive thing like what we're talking about here with Dollar Shave Club. Um, Dave Carroll, who wrote a song about when United Airlines broke his guitar. Now, that was, by the way, the first step toward beating up a passenger. Right. It was breaks. But he, no, I'm just kidding about that. No, I, re but, I remember that. I mean, that was a big deal. He ended up writing a book on that, too. Yeah, he wrote a whole book on it, but what happened is they wouldn't respond to him and pay for his guitar that was broken, so he wrote a song about it, and if you go online and go to YouTube, I believe 16 plus million people have now watched this video of a song about United Airlines and how they broke his guitar and wouldn't pay for it. Yeah, it's so, called United Breaks yeah. Guitars or something like that. Yep, United Breaks Guitars. All right. Um, your latest book is called The Convenience Revolution. What is... The convenience revolution. So about a year and a half or so ago, as I was writing, finishing up another book, maybe two years ago, one of the editors that I work with said, why do you always, I mean, what, why do you choose these companies? I don't always use the same companies, but there's a theme. And I realized what the theme was. They're just easier to do business with. I mean, think about how easy Amazon is, you know, once you're in their system and you see something on their site, they have the one click, you know, option where you just click once and, and now you have it. And, and today you don't even have to open the computer to get something from Amazon. They have the dash button, which right. is a little doorbell button. And if you're running out of dishwashing machine detergent, just push the button and it gets delivered. And it's just absolutely amazing. So I said, wow, I wonder if anybody's ever written a book. I tried to do some research on companies that were just easy to do business with. And there is a great book called The Effortless Experience, but it was more about customer service and how easy or hard it is to get into, you know, get your support, your questions answered, your complaints resolved. 
but this is different. No, this is more of a total experience. And companies like Amazon figured out, let's make it easier for the customer. They'll want to do business with us. They're open 24 seven. They put control to the customer with a self-service solution. Uh, There's lots of reasons why they are so convenient. Uber the same way. They eliminated all the friction of if you live in the suburbs and you need a taxi cab, you have to pick up the phone and call for the cab. Well, not with Uber. You go on your app. You can see how far away the driver is. You don't. And and by the way, when you call for the cab and the dispatcher says driver should be there in about 15, 20 minutes, you don't know if that's really going to happen. And then you get into the car. The driver says, where are you going? They don't know where you're going. Right. And you don't even know how much it's going to cost. Well, Uber solved all of those friction points. You know how far away the driver is. You can watch them on your little map driving down the screen on your iPhone or whatever kind of phone you have. And then uh, they know who you are when you get in the car. They know where you're going because you already put that information in. They already told you how much it was going to cost. You agreed to it. And when you get out, you don't even have to pay for it at that time. It's obviously going to be charged your credit card. But they've eliminated all the friction. The only friction they can't eliminate, apparently, is the actual drive and being in the car (laughs) to get to your destination. But maybe one day when Star Trek beam me up, Scotty kind of uh, technology is out there and it's real. We won't have to get into a car anymore. Shep, um, what are, how can we be convenient? What are some principles maybe that we ought to think about if we want to try to be more convenient with our customers and prospects? Well, in the book, I've identified six major principles. And the first is simply reducing friction. And again, that's what that's what uh, Uber did, and that's what Amazon has done. But any company should take a look at all of the interaction points that they have with their customer and say, hey, can it be easier? By the way, reducing friction is an element of all six of the principles, but some companies make it their total value proposition. Um, another one is uh, a self-help solution. Uh, in other words, a self-service solution. You take things in, in control of your own. That's what Amazon did. You go online and you, you, you know, you're, you don't have a salesperson working with you. You're doing your own homework. Um, if you walk into a, a Panera bread company, which is one of my lead case studies on this for the self-service used to be, you stood in line just like any other quick serve type restaurant, but now they have these little kiosks off to the side. There's hardly ever anybody using them. So now you've eliminated the line by doing it yourself. And they give you a little uh, vibrating pager. It used to be you had to wait for your name to be called and then go to the counter. They said, no, go sit down, relax, put the pager on the table. And there's a sensor in the table. And now the food uh, runners bring the food to you. And the goal wasn't to eliminate employees. The goal was give the customer a faster, quicker experience. And the people that are interacting with the customers that are at their tables waiting for their food, the, the, the employees, that's a great opportunity to build a, a great relationship. It's not like you're missing the people-to-people action there. So anyway, uh, self-service is great. So wait, uh, hold on a second. Tech- real, real quick. Um, I was recently uh, at an airport, and I can't remember which one it was. It might have been Nashville. Um, and I was shocked to see that there was one of those little convenience stores where you can buy just about any food or drink that you can imagine. And there was no person mm-hmm. manning the place. It was a walk-in store. It had two of those like self-service registers that you would see at a grocery store. And that, and that was it. And everybody in there was basically buying their own stuff. And there was no one at the register. It was literally vacant other than a guy just stocking the shelf and asking questions. 
I thought that was a totally brilliant idea in an airport when nobody wants to stand in line and they just want to get in and out quickly. I've never seen anything like that before. Well, Amazon Go is takes that to another step where you don't have to even check out. You go in and you, you, you open up your account and you scan as you come in. And then you just pick up items off the shelf, put them in your pocket, put it in your purse, put it in your briefcase, you know, whatever, wow. put them in a bag. And they have all these sensors, cameras, the different angles, and you don't have to stop. You just walk out with it. That's There's amazing. nothing to it. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So totally what are the last, what are the last four? We'll, we'll zip through those last four real quick. Sure. Uh, real quickly, uh, using technology to create a better experience. Uh, we, we talked about apps. Sometimes the app creates a, a better experience, an easier experience. Uh, a subscription model, and this is huge. Mm. Every company needs to start thinking about how can I create a subscription model? Because once you get the customer into your world, uh, the experience, you know, it, it's ongoing, recurring revenue. It's sticky. As long as you do what you promise to do and you deliver a good product and good service, they're going to stay with you. Uh, and today, uh, the subscription model, if you think about it, it's not newspapers and magazines. Netflix is a great subscription model. Um, Amazon you know, Prime. Microsoft. Yeah. Microsoft 365 software used to buy a package for several hundred dollars. And I remember I bought mine and I installed it and then the upgrade came. Nah, I'm still good. Three, four versions later, okay, I broke down and finally spent the money. Well, now I pay a monthly fee. I have the latest and greatest. It's inexpensive. It, it, it's great. Um, so in uh, cars, by the way, you can now subscribe to an automobile. That's not renting. It's not leasing. It's a subscription. Uh, Porsche, for example, by the Porsche, Volvo, Lincoln, Cadillac, a bunch of brands are doing this. Uh, but if you go with the Porsche subscription model, depending on how much you want to pay, you can switch cars, by the way, anytime you want. So if I want to drive a two-seater for a while and then switch to the Porsche Cayenne SUV, I can do this. Wow. I don't own it. I don't pay insurance for it. I don't pay maintenance on it. I just pay a monthly subscription fee. So subscription is huge and it's convenient. Uh, delivery. Can you take it to the customer? And uh, speaking of cars, one of the uh, ways that this particular car dealership that I now do business with took me away from the one I'd been doing business with for 20 some odd years was they said, if you buy a car from us, no extra charge, we'll bring it to you. And when you have service, we'll take you a loaner, we'll pick yours up and we'll bring your car back when it's done. You never have to come in here again till it's time for you to buy a new car. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's crazy. That's, yeah. Awesome. Well, Shep, um, thank you so much for sharing all these examples and your wisdom and insights. Can you tell everybody who's listening where they can discover your most recent book, The Convenience Revolution, and where they can find out more about you? Sure. You can find me at hyken.com, H-Y-K-E-N, and you can learn about the book there, or you go straight to Amazon to learn about the book and just type in my name, Shep Hyken, and uh, all the books will come up. The Convenience Revolution, though, is the most recent one. I'm proud of that one because I believe it's the first book that anybody's really written about using convenience as a great customer experience and marketing strategy. Shep Hyken, thank you again so much for joining us. Thank you, Michael. And by the way, our show notes are available at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 334. And if my voice sounds a little deeper than normal, it's because I have a little bit of a cough. But I appreciate you bearing with me. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your deep-throated host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. 
and a little appendage. I tried to say hello, hello, hello three times. I couldn't do it. Some of you that are avid listeners probably noticed that. See you next week. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.